Hi, I'm Jeremy Hall, and this is the Kingdom Ethics Podcast. With me today, as ever, is Dr. David P. Gushy. How are you doing, David? I'm good. How are you, Jeremy? I am all right and ready to, to hear some thoughts about Brazil. I've, you've, well, last time we did Hungary, you've been to Hungary. Have you been to Brazil? No, I am eager to go to Brazil. Can I derail us for the most incredible story of my life, which happened in Brazil? Yes, sure. Okay, so I've been I've been to Brazil. I love Brazil. Um, I was in Rio during the World Cup. Um, flew down. Was supposed what year to. Was that? Hmm. What year was that? Thirteen, maybe. Don't remember. But World Cup in uh, uh, Rio. I flew in and met a friend and we really failed to find each other for several hours. And we finally found each other in Rio, got on a bus and got completely lost. We drove through favelas and stuff for hours. We spent hours on a bus and then realized we were at Copacabana. So we jumped off the bus um, and that's where fan zone was with all the, the bars and the food and the big tents and stuff where you could watch the games without having to have tickets to get into the stadiums. And we, uh, we spent the day there. It was great, right? We watched soccer with a bunch of international folks. And then the United States lost their last game and were eliminated. And we realized that it was now night and all the English speakers had disappeared. And I do not speak Portuguese. And uh, my traveling companion didn't speak it either. And our Airbnb had canceled on us earlier that day. So it was now dark in Rio. We don't speak Portuguese and all the English speakers have left. So I have a good idea. This, I maintain this was a good idea. Uh-oh. We should find some, like, find some Europeans that are walking inland because they're going somewhere. So if we follow foreigners going into the city instead of staying on the beach, we should be able to find a hotel or a hostel or something. So we follow these, this group of German friends winding through the city. We follow them for like 20 minutes and then they get in a, a taxi and drive off. <laughs> and we are now lost in the middle of Rio at night. And it's, it's late. So we're wandering around in the dark in Rio. And uh, I decide I'm going to ask for directions. And I walk into a, uh, a, a little convenience store and I do my best Portuguese, which is the worst Portuguese anyone's ever heard, ask if they could direct us somewhere to stay, a hotel, a hostel, a motel, something like that. And he gives me directions and they go like, yes, go out my store, turn right, go six blocks, turn left. And then you'll see if you, when you turn left, you'll see a big tree turn right at the big tree and walk into the jungle. <laughs> And I, I was, so we did that. <laughs> we follow his directions, go six blocks, we turn, we go find a giant tree in the middle. The road has turned to cobblestone. There's a giant tree in the middle of the road and past it is the woods. So I walk to the big tree and I turn and there's a hostel. There is a hostel there. So not knowing if they're going to have room or whatever, but it, it's a safe place. So, miraculously, we've found a hostel. I walk in the front door of this place I've never been in Rio. The person behind the desk at 4 a.m. reading a book looks up and says, Jeremy Hall, is that you? No way. Yeah. 
I, <laughs> one of my wife's uh, colleagues from school was working at that hostel. Her family owns that hostel. Mellow Yellow in uh, Rio. Highly recommend it. <laughs> and that's proof that Jesus doesn't want me to die. Wow. Or hadn't at that point. It's been a few years. But that's that's my Brazil story. <laughs> okay, I, I, I will tell you a Brazil story because actually I remember I have been to Brazil. Because it went like this. In uh, 2000, um, 1999 or 2000, I was teaching at Union University and we took a mission trip to Uruguay, which is neighbor to Brazil. Mm-hmm. And it was a baseball mission trip. So a bunch of young men who who loved baseball uh, went to Uruguay to teach baseball and play baseball with local for the Uruguay, Lord, for the Lord, with local Uruguayan kids. And um, uh, I, my nickname was Abuelo, Grandpa, because I was 37 years old. Um, it was it was 1999, and uh, it was a it was a rugged trip and had a lot of interesting experiences. Um, but one day after um, a lot of baseball, we crossed the border into Brazil and went to one of those uh, one of those restaurants that serves the meat on skewers. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, those young men put away an awful lot of meat um, uh, when we crossed the border into Brazil. Um, and they were useless for at least 24 hours. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, I remember going across into Brazil and having having that experience. At Proper that Brazilian steakhouse. Uh, yes, it was. So anyway, well, well, who knew who knew fans that we were going to be talking about our travel experiences in Brazil? Um, Brazil is, is a great country. In a lot of ways, it resembles the United States and um, in a lot of ways, the politics of the country has some resemblances to the United States. And that's where we're going to pick up our story. Ask me a question, Jeremy. All right. Well, who is Bolsonaro? Jair Bolsonaro was president of Brazil from 2018 to 2022. Um, he was uh, a memorable politician of the authoritarian reactionary Christian type. Um, was he always that way? Was that his brand throughout? You know, cause a lot of these, it's a really good career move for some people is, to flip that, that switch and be a crusader. He was of military background, a former army captain. Um, I would say in the beginning, he, from what I understand, he sounded a little more like a kind of a classic militarist leaning towards uh striking military and nationalist kinds of themes like you know brazil was under a military dictatorship for two decades and he expressed um sympathy for that military dictatorship so he was more like one of those guys mm-hmm. you know? um but but uh in his campaign and while he was president he did um he did the whole authoritarian reactionary Christian thing. Raimundo Barreto and Wild Chavez uh, describe him this way. Bolsonaro has established himself as a right-wing pan-Christian figure who unites conservative competitors in the religious marketplace, Catholics and evangelicals, around a mythical representation of Brazil's past and an imagined 
project for its future. The the pan-Christian bit is really interesting because not everyone can form that coalition, get the evangelicals and the Catholics to play nice. Yes. So um, he was Catholic, um, is Catholic, but then he got himself um, visibly baptized in Israel, I think in the Jordan River. I've seen that. Uh, Yeah. In 2018, um, this is what uh, Barreto and Chavez say about that. Um, Catholicism was, of course, the do- uh, this is my language, but the dominant religion in Brazil from colonial days. Its power waned as fundamentalism, evangelicalism, and Pentecostalism swept the country. Charismatic Catholicism is a kind of Catholic Pentecostal hybrid. Bolsonaro himself is right at this intersection. A Catholic with an evangelical wife who got himself quite visibly rebaptized as an adult in the Jordan River in 2018. <laughs> so that's one way to play all the sides. Huh? He's got all his bases covered. So Pentecostal, um, evangelical, Catholic, fundamentalist. He was their guy, and um, he advanced their agenda um so here's how freedom house described uh the the democratic health of brazil just before uh bolsonaro was voted out of office brazil is a democracy that holds competitive elections and the political arena though polarized is characterized by vibrant public debate however independent journalists and civil society activists risk harassment and violent attack and the government has struggled to address high rates of violent crime and disproportionate violence against and economic exclusion of minorities. Corruption is endemic. Societal discrimination and violence against LGBT plus people remain serious problems. Um, Freedom House said that from the beginning, Bolsonaro uh, spoke with a disdain for democratic principles the Economist said he was an avowed authoritarian who was contemptuous of the judiciary and the separation of powers. Does that ring any bells? There, um, there's some of the, uh, I keep thinking about this. Some, uh, one, one of the ways, uh, the various ways that the Bible will sometimes talk about the, the sort of spiritual realm and how that is impacting human space is sort of like, there's this animating force behind a type of space. So, like, I'm simplifying it. There's a demon named Empire, and it doesn't right. die, and it doesn't lose. It just moves from nation to nation, animating a new sort of narrative and, and changing their culture to be its kingdom. And it seems like ARC behaves like that we're recognizing the same thing in all these different places and it looks the same and it talks the same and it it has the same haircut (laughs) you know that's a really really interesting way to bring biblical resources Uh, walter wink would call it principalities and powers right it's a kind of power um you could say the same thing about systemic racism. Yes. Um, it's a kind of power that you never 
can seem to extinguish it. You can seem to defeat it on one battlefront and that'll surface on another one. Because mm-hmm. you can't hit the demon that's animating the behavior. You can only hit the place in which it is manifesting at this moment. And, so, and Paul reminds us, to, we're not fighting those people. Don't hate those people. We're dealing with uh, the powers. Totally where I did not expect to go today, but... <laughs> It, here to is help. Really, it is really interesting. So here you have um, a um, authoritarian, illiberal, anti-LGBT, um, anti-science, anti-elite, um, uh, observers say, um, you know, also kind of a toxic masculinist type figure. Right, anti-feminist, anti-pluralist, and uh, kind of disdainful of uh, the black population of Brazil, sometimes called Afro-Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is how you justify it in his inaugural address. Let's unite the people, value the family, respect religions and our Judeo-Christian tradition, fight gender ideology. And preserve our values. Brazil will once again be a country free from ideological shackles. Um, Barreto and Chavez describe him, Bolsonaro, as having created a cult-like movement against, quote, moral relativism, social liberalism, alleged neo-Marxism, and LGBTQ rights. Pro-gun, anti-black, and anti-democracy. I I was having lunch the other day with a good person, a good Christian leader, and we were just casually chatting about the state of the church and the city we live in, things like that, catching up. And he he asked me, "Have you have you looked at this Bolsonaro guy at all? Like he's he's just he's really good. We really need to find someone like him." Wow. That <clears throat> it's so easy to and you said something like this i think last episode but you you said it in the inverse but like we can ignore a lot of stuff if he's advancing the things we care about right um so one reading is these good solid christian people well-intentioned like, this person well i'm talking about is good Right. Um, they like the positive agenda and they kind of they like what they consider a positive agenda and they slough off the parts that they don't, they don't really, it's not their gig, not their thing, but it's not enough to make them oppose. Mm-hmm. And we got to save what we can. Right. And see that a lot of people support Trump on the same basis, I think. Um, but, you know, a lot of people supported Hitler on the same basis. You know he's he's he, he he loves Germany. He's defending us against those who are hurting us. He'll, he's getting the economy going again. Um, he's for strong families and traditional values. Yeah, a lot of people are ending up in jail. You know, but you got to break a few eggs to make mm-hmm. it people like me aren't ending up in jail. Good Germans right. aren't ending if they didn't do something wrong. If they didn't resist the police, right? And it's. The lack of 
an alarm system for for the degradation of the democratic process and the rule of law. The lack of that being an elevated enough value that people are willing to say, well, even if I like some of the rhetoric or some of the things that he's about, this is disqualifying in itself. Just as a, I mean, just a, not to put too fine a point on it, but any politician who is demagoguing and targeting specific groups of people with de- with demonizing language should be disqualified on that basis alone. These vermin are bringing their diseases. They're bringing their drugs. They're attacking our innocent children. The, they we- need to be eradicated. I have a memory that is so strong. It it is odd how important this memory is to me. Sitting in civics class in my Christian high school, a well-educated, you know, like a good family. She says in the civics class when we're talking about immigration, and this is like 2009, it's the, the 2008, 2009, that immigration crisis moment. And she said that when asked, we were talking about that in our civics class, and when asked, why do people come from South America and Latin America to the United States? She said they come to rape white girls. That's why they are here. And she said it quickly. She didn't think of that. It It was what she's been told over and over and over that it was like, duh, why are you even asking that? They're here for me. They're coming to get me. You can do a lot of things to stop that person. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So um, my teacher, Glenn Stassen, used to talk about um, Christians are supposed to have an allergy to authoritarianism. At least Baptists are supposed to because we have it in our DNA um, from the 17th century. And we'll talk about that uh, soon because we're getting to that chapter uh, very soon. But the allergy to authoritarianism has been lost in large parts of the Christian family in the U.S. and around the world, including Baptists. Southern Baptists are hardly allergic to authoritarianism at this point. Um, And so Bolsonaro comes in and he's like, strongman Christian leader who will put the gays back in their place, who will scoff at those pointy-headed scientists and them worrying about COVID. Hey, whatever. Who needs who needs a vaccine? Um, who, um, who says things like, you know, the only problem with the military dictatorship was that they tortured people instead of just killing them. That's nice. Yeah. Torture, you know, but they should have We all agree killed. on this. Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, if they could have just been tougher, then we really would have been better off who who says um, he could only lose the election if the election was rigged, um, who says only God can get me out of this office. He could not lose a fair election. He would not honor the result of any election that went against him. Um, so no elections. Right. So he threatened to suspend the elections, but there were enough checks and balances in the Brazilian system that when the election happened, that happened after I wrote the book, when the election happened in the fall of 22, um, uh, he lost. 
not by a lot, but it was enough. And um, the checks and balances prevented him from hanging on to power. Though it is true that after he left office, there was one of those uh, rushes to the Capitol to try to overturn the results, just like in the U.S. Mm. Um, the Supreme Court, I believe, has now banned Bolsonaro from public office till 2030 because of his anti-democratic behaviors. Um, one might wish that we would have such clarity in our country, and there are actually legal efforts about banning Trump from the ballot because of his actions in 2020 and 2021. Um, let me tell you how I, I do a, a closing comparison. Um, it is and in our tour of nations, this is our last stop before the United States. Right. It is relevant to note the connections between the religious cultures of the U.S. and Brazil. During the 20th century, Brazil was the target of constant missionary efforts, especially from Southern Baptists. The similarity is also evident when it comes to the way in which politics seems to trump personal morality. In Brazil, massive numbers of Christians supported a traditional values politician, married three times, father of five children, one with a mistress. Um, Barreto and Chavez say Bolsonaro and his influential sons, who are in the legislature them, themselves, are strongly pro-American, having close ties to Donald Trump and his former advisor, Steve Bannon, among others. Bolsonaro's son, the Senator Eduardo Bolsonaro, often joins Bannon in his far-right nationalist crusades. On January 4th, 20, 2021, Eduardo arrived, quote, by surprise at the White House. On January 5th, he spent the day meeting with the Trump family and supporters. And on January 6th, he was photographed in D.C. wearing a Trump 2020 hat. Um, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that last bit at all. So the it Bolsonaro boys and the Trump boys, just one big happy authoritarian family. And um, both were voted out of office. Both left reluctantly. Both have a significant constituency that never accepted that the other side could win legitimately. Both had a group that rushed the Capitol, uh, you know, after the election defeat. The difference is that in, in Brazil, the judiciary has banned Bolsonaro from office at least till 2030. And a man named Lula is currently the president of Brazil and they have moved on. Um, what will happen in the US? The last chapter has yet to be written. We can't say we live in boring times. That is for sure true. The, uh, I jump back and forth between whether or not that's a good thing. May you live in interesting times. I think it's a curse from China, from what I understand. Right. The, uh, but the, you can mix that with, uh, and may this a good place to end. I think it's John Locke. We've talked about Locke. I think it's Locke who said um, that he would like to live in peace. But if there must be conflict, if there must be struggle, let it be in my generation so that my children can live in peace. Ah, that's a good one. I've probably butchered it. I'm sure it was eloquent. That was remarkably eloquent, Jeremy. Go with it. Huzzah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up. And next time we will be uh, in our own backyard. So that's I'm slightly intimidated by the prospect. So thank you for joining us today on the Kingdom Ethics podcast. We look forward to having you with us next time as we explore the United States and 
I, I might switch to saying the spirit of authoritarian reactionary Christianity. Um, theologize it a little bit. Make it more interesting. Um, <laughs> if uh, you'd like to be in contact with us, we are easy to find. We're on the socials. I'm even on TikTok. I almost have 6,000 followers on TikTok. If you are follower number 6,000, I will send you a free copy of the book. <laughs> I don't know how I'll be able to verify it, but I'm going to figure it out. And if it's you, congratulations. We'll see you next time on the Kingdom Ethics Podcast. <laughs>